From COK Studios in Lulu Garcia Navarro's nursery, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider Republican bills in several states that would give poll watchers more autonomy. We'll also consider how dirt is becoming a critical commodity in coastal cities around the country. And we'll consider who are the people in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from the new Amazon Prime sci-fi mystery series Poirot vs. Predator. An alien killing machine murders five people during a tea party in a quaint seaside village in England, and only Hercule Poirot can stop it. Now streaming. And Wet One's Sanitary Wipes. Now 70% wetter than before. They're actually too wet. Like, uncomfortably wet. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. As Republican lawmakers in major battleground states seek to make voting harder and more confusing through a web of new election laws, they are simultaneously making a concerted legislative push to grant more autonomy and access to partisan poll watchers. There is a long history of poll watchers being used to intimidate voters and harass election workers, often in ways that target Democratic-leaning communities of color, and stoke fears that have the overall effect of voter suppression. During the 2020 election, President Donald J. Trump's campaign repeatedly promoted its army of poll watchers as he publicly implored supporters to venture into heavily black and Latino cities and hunt for voter fraud. Republicans have offered little evidence to justify a need for poll watchers to have expanded access and autonomy, but it's clear That desire came from Mr. Trump's repeated lies about last year's presidential contest, which included complaints about insufficient poll watcher access. Joining us to highlight why Republicans are pushing to empower poll watchers is GOP strategist and party official, Kenzie Kristoff. Welcome to COK. Kenzie K. Kristoff, actually. Oh, three K initials, huh? Mm, Subtle. Not sure what you're talking about, but I'm happy to be here to dispel any of these crazy rumors about why we want to give poll watchers more power and autonomy. Oh, please explain to our listeners, if you would. (laughs) Typical judgmental liberal media. That kind of attitude would never have flown on my short-lived Fox News show, The Kenzie Chronicle. What attitude? We spelled chronicle with a K. Isn't that clever? I suppose. As I was saying before you rudely interrupted. I didn't. I asked you to please explain. yelling and I will. Both partisan and nonpartisan poll watching have been a key component of American elections for years, Dinah. And Republicans and Democrats alike have routinely sent trained observers to the polls to monitor the process and report back on any worries. That is true, but Republican lawmakers in 20 states have introduced at least 40 bills that would expand the powers of poll watchers, and 12 of those bills are currently progressing through legislatures. Why would they do this except to unduly intimidate voters from other parties? Voter integrity is important. Yes, but some of these bills are definitely advocating for voter suppression. 
I see that you want voter fraud to be rampant. Typical liberal media. If we had been able to have poll watchers from our party challenge a voter's eligibility for a good reason, maybe Donald Trump would have won, which he did. But because of all the fraud, we weren't able to stop him from not losing because our poll watchers weren't allowed to stop him from legitimately winning. What? That makes no sense. Yes, it does. You're just not paying attention. So is this measure designed to intimidate non-Republican voters? Not at all. Meet one of our poll watchers and see for yourself. Rico? Yeah. This is Rico. He's one of our many new poll watchers. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Rico seems pretty intimidating to me. Yeah, is this, uh, is this lady bothering you? Oh, it, it's okay, Rico. Because yeah, I could take care of her for you if you want. No problem. I got lots of ways to taking care of people, you know, especially people who commit voter fraud, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just interviewing her. Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy, man. Don't make a scene. Because if you do, I may have to make you disappear, you know, just like people who don't vote the right way. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone wants any trouble, but this is absolutely voter intimidation, Miss Kristoff. Rico is just a very passionate poll watcher. That's all. Oh, that's what you're calling it. You're damn right I'm passionate. You apologize right now to Miss Kenzie. How about you take a C note and we forget that you asked these questions and maybe, I don't know, you take a vacation next election, huh? How about that? Unless you want it to be a permanent vacation, huh? I'm afraid that's all the time we have. Thank you both for your time. That was GOP nightmare Kenzie K. Kristoff and her poll watcher, Rico. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to dirt. With sea levels expected to rise three to six feet by the end of the century, coastal communities are moving fast to construct major shoreline projects to protect themselves. As the size of these projects expands, the primary building materials, dirt and mud, are getting scarce. Our own Cordell Nutbrock spoke to one man who is at the center of this national desire for dirt. Dirt, what you dig up on land, and mud or sediment, the wetter variety already in rivers and bays, are the raw materials of climate change adaptation. They're used to build levees, the massive earthen barriers that hold back waves, and to raise elevation so buildings can sit higher than the floodplain. Until now, mud and dirt have been mostly treated as waste products. Environmental experts warn that unless coastal regions from San Francisco Bay to the Mississippi River Delta begin managing their dirt and mud supply more comprehensively, the shortfall will be severe, leading to more expensive sea level rise protection and drowned wetlands. Oh, you need dirt? I can get you dirt. Dirk Haskins was a poor dirt farmer, but not anymore. Now Dirk owns and operates Dirk's Dirt, which has become a multi-billion dollar company in just the past year and a half. We're basically the Amazon dirt. You can go online and order up your dirt, and then we'll ship it to you. It's pretty simple. If you pay a little more, you can get Dirt Prime, which means we'll get you dirt the next day. 
Dirk acquires dirt from construction projects, sediment dredging, and other places, and then turns around and sells it for a very hefty profit to places that need to build earthen levees to help coastal communities from sea level rise. Yeah, the dirt business is big right now. Huge, like a big mountain of dirt. We also sell mud, gravel, dust, sludge, grime, and gloop. Whatever you need to save your town from being swallowed up by the ocean, we can help. Well, how much does the dirt cost? Well, my best dirt, and I mean top of the line, Dirt King Platinum Dirt, is like $500 an ounce. That's primo stuff. It's clean, full of nutrients. I sometimes sleep on a pile of it, like a little sleepy time cloud of dirt. That's exorbitant. Welcome to the free market, Cordell. Supply and demand. <laughs> oh, I suppose you are helping people. Yep, and helping myself. The only difference between me and Jeff Bezos is that I know I'm a massive dirtbag. <laughs> Environmental experts warn it will take more than a select number of restoration projects to prepare for rising seas. So even with Dirk selling his dirt all over the nation, there won't be a quick fix. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. For COK News, I'm Cordell Nutbrock. Now it's time for this week's Big Little Wins, courtesy of our intern, Ryan. Thanks! Our first win comes from Meredith Weems in Albany, who remembered to take her acid reflux medicine before she ate some very spicy jalapeno nachos on Saturday. Usually she forgets to take it before she eats spicy food, and she's up all night with horrible heartburn, so she was very happy! Meredith did touch her eyes after eating the jalapenos, so that wasn't so great. But at least she didn't have heartburn and painful burning eyes. Well done on this very caliente, partial, big little win! Ugh, that sounds painful. Oh, it was. And congrats to Steve Dickman in Grand Rapids, who legally changed his name this past week. Wait, what was his name before? Howard Dickman. I think he changed the wrong part of his name. Apparently everyone called him Howie, and he really hated that. So he's much happier to be Steve Dickman. Okay then. Well done, Mr. Dickman. We're happy for you on this awkward big little win. If you have a win you'd like to share, post on our Facebook page or send us a message on Twitter or Instagram. That's all for this episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and now on Instagram. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Republicans have offered little evidence to justify a need for poll watchers to have expanded access and autonomy, but it's clear that the desire...